we're the Anfield Index writers. We're here. Hello and welcome to the Anfield Index podcast. Tonight we have something special, very special, an Anfield Index brand of special. A while back, when we started thinking about how we would do this show, we thought maybe about having a show to pr- promote and discuss the club with some of the up-and-coming writers on Anfield Index. Well, tonight's the night. It's a season review, but with a difference. It's not just a summary of a wonderful season. It's a discussion on what made the season what it was. The best goals, the best games... Moments that ignited our imagination. Players who surprised us and made us smile and more. So tonight alongside me in Gags, we have Ryan McTerran, Zach Foster and the fabulous Nick Trouse. So we're going to start with a little review. So Zach, welcome to your little debut on the show. Um, we hope it's the sort of first of many. And I just want to share with you a little story about Zach. We were all meeting up at the Harry, the, the ill-fated Harry, as you all knew about from last week's show. And uh, Zach walked in and everybody went, hey, there's Zach. And everybody went straight and hugged his girlfriend because she's absolutely lovely. <laughs> if you want to, uh, we'll, we'll kind of get gags to sort of tweet him out from Anfield Index. Oh, uh, if, if you're on Twitter, um, just basically follow Zach in the hope that you might get followed back by his girlfriend at some point. So she's absolutely lovely. So hello, um, can't remember your name. And, and who can forget Ryan McTerran's mother as well. Fantastic lady. So right, Zach, so... We're going to start. I want everybody to basically do a, a kind of two to three minute summary of the season. Um, we're going to have some questions and then we'll, we'll go on to other topics after that. So, Zach, your thoughts on a fabulous season? On the whole, I think everyone's got to agree that it, it was it was outstanding. Um, I think everyone's going to be disappointed with the last the, the last three weeks because as as football fans, we always we always want that extra one percent, don't we? Um, but I think in terms of like how proud I was of the team, especially after the barren spell we've had um, the last four or five years. I think this is probably the best I've felt about the team for a very long time, probably since Benitez's um, second place finish in 2009. So I think I, I've, I've been absolutely buzzing with the season, just watching us demolish team after team, playing exciting football. Even the neutrals couldn't uh, couldn't stay away from us, been on the telly the most, haven't we? So I think it's been positive for pretty much 99% of it the last, just last three weeks. I suppose um, ruined it a little bit, but I think we can still be proud. I think we're still looking forward to next season as well, and they've got an important summer to come. Zach, you, you you mentioned the word demolished a couple of times in that season, and and it was actually one of the things that that really stood out. Um, that we that we didn't just beat some teams; we absolutely demolished some teams. Did did you think that? Given that, given that sort of brand of football that we did see, you know, the five ones, the four nils, the five nils. Do you think that 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 made all the difference in in kind of finishing second? I think I think it made all the difference in in terms of how in in negative terms. I think it I think it kind of was our own, our undoing in the end, you know, because we in ter- we were beating teams so heavily and beating a, a lot of teams, um, but the goal difference it just wasn't enough. It, you know, like in terms of like when we got to Crystal Palace and we panicked about the goal difference, we didn't like we. We would have been much better if we didn't have to play for goal difference, which is seemingly what the guys were doing. I think if um, 
I think it would have been a bit more Mourinho-esque, but I don't, obviously it would have been less exciting. I think it would have been a bit more Mourinho, a bit smarter through the season. I think I think it would have proved that we'd have won the league, to be honest. I don't think we can be Mourinho-esque guys. I mean, Zach, at that point, I, don't, I think we all said that, and a lot of people have said that on Twitter, oh, I wish we'd be a bit more Mourinho-esque, let's say, like you just said. But it's just not in our DNA. Not at the moment. It's just not in our... It's just not the way we... We we play we play so expansive it's so expansive right now it's so good and I just think I, I just think what he's got to do is get a, improve the squad maybe improve the squad improve players and, and 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 in certain positions and you know we all know what those we all know what those positions are and I think that will help that will definitely help the fullbacks will help um, a better central defensive pairing will help um, maybe well maybe one one player and then a, a defensive midfielder. Make it stronger in there. Yeah, definitely. I think maybe, maybe I, I don't really mean a bit more Mourinho because I think I think we've all we're all fed up to the back teeth of him. But I, I just mean I think we just mean we just need a better defense, don't we? I mean we've got we've got an absolutely scintillating attack. I wish I just wish we had a a defense to match it. Zach, do you think that um that we might be kind of you know not going to play exactly Mourinho s for ninety minutes? But do you think that? I mean, when when we look at the first few games of the season, uh, we were scrapping through those first three one nils, and then even at periods in uh, the 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 eleven game winning run, there was parts where we dropped off a lot, uh, kind of looking to spring teams on the counter, which is essentially what Mourinho's good teams in their day. That's what they are. Do you think we maybe like micromanage? Uh, Rogers might micromanage the team into playing like Mourinho in some ways, so that. You know, we're pre- playing pressing football, opening 20 minutes, very attacking, and then we just begin to sit off and let teams come at us a little bit. Do you think he might have learned something like that off Jose? I suppose, I suppose that's a fair point. Yeah, I think I think that's the best way to do it. I think rather than being seeming inflexible and having one um, one strategy and one plan, and everyone was moaning when we when we let Andy Carroll go that we wouldn't have a plan B, or some, some were moaning. Um, I think... Rogers knows he has more than one strategy and more than one plan because I think he can change the way we're playing from the first fifteen minutes to the next fifteen minutes or the next twenty half an hour. I think he, um, I think he micromanages games all the time, and I don't think we have one set plan. So I think maybe, uh, maybe he has, he's, he has, he sort of used his own methods and fused them with what he was, um, what he may have learned when he was with Mourinho, and that's that, that may. Maybe the Mourinho plan, the counter attack, the uh, sitting deep, but obviously he's fused that with his own pressing style. I think I think that's the best thing about Rodgers, to be honest. I think that's one of the main positives of the season in that we can change our strategy um, from one minute to the next. I think that allows us to um, manage games, even uh, against the big boys and and the slightly smaller clubs. And then also if we're behind or if, if we're ahead in games, I think it gives us a lot of options. Right, so Zach, um, cast your mind back to August. We beat Stoke one 0 in the opening game. Um, what were your expectations after that game, and how have they progressed throughout the season to what um, happened um, two weeks ago? Um, I think after the after the one nil at Stoke, I was I was um, I was on holiday, so I was I was meant to be relaxing. But after that game, I, th- I think I think my stress levels were through, through the roof. Um, I think after that game, I, I think all all we wanted to do was just just make sure we had three points. Um, by the end of Saturday, so I don't think my expectations changed too much. I think I think it, I don't think it was about till maybe January when we seemed to kick on despite not signing anyone. I think that's when my expectations expectations sort of evolved and thought, yeah, I think I think we really can get maybe fourth or third. But I think after the Stoke game, I don't think anything really changed. I think I was just happy to get the the one nil, and then and then hopefully build on it 
in the second game with Aston Villa. I don't think it actually changed after the Stoke City game. I think that's a really good point about the um, Stoke City game. I thought um, if you talk about big moments in the season, we had one right in that first game. And, you know, we had a new goalkeeper making his debut, Simon Mignolet, and he saved a penalty and won the game for Liverpool. And from that moment, you could see the unity in the squad. All of them were up for it. And, you know, they were all up for the season. It was a nice little kickstart for Mignolet as well to become part of the team immediately. Certainly a big moment, a nice moment. Certainly uh, something I look back on and think, wow, you know, this is, um, this, this, that was cool. That was cool. And when you look back now as well, it was really cool. So, uh, it started from the first game. There were big moments all season, and, and and that was definitely one. Yeah, I think it was absolutely huge. I think, um, I think, I think I wrote about it at the time. Um, the the penalty, the Mignolet penalty save. I thought it didn't just have short term benefits in terms of adrenaline to uh, finish the game. I think yeah, I think it, I think it maybe, I think it certainly. I don't want to use the word galvanized, but I think it certainly did in that case. Um, I think it's just one of those moments where we thought, wow, yeah, maybe we we've got well, we've obviously got a keeper here who can bail us out and win us points. I think um, I think maybe I think maybe you're right. The squad did seem like really up for it after that, and then really together. Well, thanks, Zach. So Nick, uh, coming to you, your thoughts on on the season overall, and and and, what, and really, what did you make of it? Oh, it's uh, it's been emotionally draining the whole season, really. Um, well, basically from from the uh, penalty save against Stoke on the opening day. I was on holiday too, and uh, after that, I was, uh, went out to celebrate, but it was a bit of a, a nervy town towards the end, and it was just great that uh, Minouet finally uh, made a mark on his first game for the club. Um, since we last finished second in 2009, we finished 7th, 6th, 8th and 7th, and uh, we're back in second this season. It's It's been an absolute roller coaster ride. It's been absolutely fantastic, really. The, the style of football we've been playing, we've been absolutely demolishing teams. Um, Brendan Rodgers is a... Uh, really got this team working together and the likes of Raheem Sterling and uh, obviously Luis Suarez getting 31 goals is absolutely incredible and then um, in August I never ever thought that we'd get this far especially watching it in the King Harry with you guys in a, in May um, it's been absolutely amazing Nick you mentioned the I suppose expectations from August and how that led up until the final game and 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 everybody just kind of feeling flat after feeling second two points from the top when nobody really expected either top four or whatever. At what point did you start to think that this team can actually, um, st- you know, s- start to put in a really serious challenge or or, or, or are capable of making the top four? Um, it was the Arsenal uh, 5-1 where we just demolished them after 20 minutes. And we went, um, I inboxed all my friends after it saying, book, book the last day of the season off, book the last day of the season off, something's going to happen, something special's going to happen this season. It's just from there on our side, we just kept winning and winning and winning. We could, that's when we started the 11 games on the run. And then, yeah, so we just kept winning. And that's where like the hope came. And then, obviously, we we uh, it ended at um, Chelsea when uh, Jose Mourinho came and parked two buses. And, yeah, that that was the end of that, really. Nick, uh, you mentioned uh, Mignolet's debut and, and the impact he made. What did you expect of Simon and... What do you think? How do you think his season has fared out? I mean, he's come under a lot of uh, criticism in some ways, but uh, how do you think uh, the number twenty-two has done this year? I was a huge Pepe Reina fan. I mean, I've got like an air freshener in my car, um, a morgue, a power pod, the lot. Um, so I was a bit, um, bit sad when he left. But Minouet, young keeper, he came in. I thought, you know, he had an alright season at uh, Sunderland, and then when he made that penalty save, 
from then on, it was just, yeah, this guy, you know, he's, he's choose to do great things. Um, the Everton game as well, where he basically won us the game when saving all those one-on-ones from Delefeu yeah, and Lukaku. Absolutely amazing in that game. He has had a couple of dodgy moments, but he's won more points than he's lost us points this season. And I think he's saved us more points than Rayner has in the past two, maybe three years. Zach, um, I've got two questions for you. Um, sorry, Nick, I've got two questions for you. Um, first of all, did you say you've got a Pepe Reina uh, air freshener? In my Is car, it? yeah, of course. <laughs> Are you serious? An actual Pepe, Pepe Reina air freshener? Yeah, I, I, after the podcast, I'll go and take a picture and I'll send it to Gags on AI and he can retweet it out and everyone can see the Fucking wonderful hell. Pepe Reina air freshener. <laughs> I've heard it all now, you bad. It smells bad, nice. Bad wool. Oh, that's terrible. Um, and I suppose the second question is that going forward, do you, do you think that, that Mignoli, um you know, on this on this question, does he need competition? Do, do do you sort of believe that a goalkeeper needs to be, sort of be challenged above and beyond? Because whilst undoubtedly he, he was a great shot stopper, there was elements to his game where he did need to improve, and and ultimately it led to um, him maybe looking trying things at the end of the season where he didn't look too comfortable. Um, I don't think it's about competition really. Think about the best goalkeepers in the Premier League over the past um, for ten years. You've got likes of Peter Cech and. Reina, Van der Sar, they've never really had good competition behind them, really not. Chelsea, Ross Turnbull and stuff like that. And Swartz this year, although he had a good game against us, he's not exactly a world beater, is he? Uh, so really, when you look at the top clubs in the Premier League, none of them really have um, good backup keepers. I think the problem is we've got um, John Achtenberg, the old Tramia goalkeeper. I don't know how to spell, say his second name, but as our goalkeeper coach, I think that might be the problem. I think we might need to have a little upgrade there because I'm not sure what he can be uh, teaching uh, Mignoli. The, the interesting thing on, on Actorberg, I, I was speaking to Phil from the Day Trippers, um, and he says he's spoken to a couple of players who has worked with Actorberg in the past and and rated him quite highly. Now, that that's against what I've always thought. I've always thought that since the arrival of Actorberg, it sort of coincided with a dip in form in Reina, um, and I actually think he seems to have made Mignoli worse. I don't know if that's just first season nerves or whatever. Um I'd, I'd, I'd be interested in, in other people's view on that act of our question. I actually was under the impression Rogers brought his own goalkeeper coach when he joined. I actually thought he had brought in his own, and I was really excited for that. No, it's still still Johnny Boy. Yes, it's still um, Atterberg. And if you remember last season, I think when, when Stevie took a penalty at home, I can't remember the game, but he ran right up to Atterberg, didn't he? Because Atterberg had, had, had sort of given him the analysis to kind of show which way the keeper would potentially go. I think um, um, Pepperain had a really good relationship with um, Rafa's goalkeeper coach, and um, I can't remember his name, but I think obviously he was a he left and Agnabur came in, and that's coincided with the drop of former Reina. I think it's because he had a really close relationship with the old goalkeeper coach, and maybe maybe he was a better goalkeeper coach, but I'm not sure. I just think maybe the relationship as well between them two was why Reina was so good at that time. Nick, um, you mentioned the. Um the five-one result against Arsenal is the um, is the game that made you really believe that we might be able to push on for more than maybe fourth or third. Um, I just wanted to know if, if that was your favourite result or if there was another one and why. Well, we're going to come on to that later, so I, I won't ruin it for everybody. Oh right, but keeping that as a, as a surprise. Yeah, it, it's it's one of my top moments. I'll uh, I'll, uh, I'll let was. you in on that. Okay, thanks, Nick. That was great. So, Ryan, the 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 review of the season I've been waiting for. Um, how have you seen things? Because you know, I, from kind of reading your articles and, and 
and having a look at your kind of tweets and all that type of stuff, I know that tactically, um, you know, you're very switched on, you're very sound in in, in that particular area. Did, did did you ever believe at the start of the season that that all this was possible? And 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 how have you? How has your thinking of this team evolved over the period? Well, thanks for that, John. I'm I'm not surprised that you think I'm amazing. Um, a lot of people do. No, they don't. No, they don't. Um, I I was at the start of the season, uh, very like the lads were saying, that Stoke game took a lot out of you, especially that last minute um, Mignolet penalty save. The first like three months, you know, up until probably the end of November, I was tearing my hair out every week, even though Liverpool were winning, you know, 3-0 and 4-0. We weren't playing very well. Um, I think that was obviously down to the obvious things in midfield. Uh, Gerard and Lucas just doesn't really work. We all know that at this stage. And that kind of 4-2-2-2, I'm not a big fan of it. It's really reliant on personnel in my opinion and um the three three at the back as well wasn't working out at times so I, I think for the first three months even though we were winning it was it was really difficult to watch especially because we weren't pressing uh we weren't doing anything like that nothing like we are today we're a completely different team uh, at this stage of the se- oh, well obviously the season is over now that's what we were in the first uh, third shall we say um looking back in hindsight maybe that was a plan by Rodgers not you know, obviously realizing he is a small squad, didn't want to burn them out too early. I know people will say, you know, players are used to playing in um, Champions League and other teams, and they have to play much more games than we do, almost twice as many. But it it was very strange. We 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 didn't press, we didn't do anything like that. We were still getting our goals, but we weren't. We just weren't playing very well. It was it was pretty much up until the the Spurs game, that five nil at a. At White Hart Lane, which uh, I'll come on to later, but it 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 was from then on that we we really just transformed completely. Obviously, Gerard came out of the team, and we switched to a more four three three formation, which I'm a huge fan of. Um, that was more like you know in between then November till probably February, we we upped the level of performance. There were still glaring problems. Um, we obviously thought we'd we'd solve that in January. It didn't happen. We got no players in, but. Obviously, the, the the final third, the most important one, is as a lot of people will say, the crunch. As a uh, John Giles says, an Irish broadcaster here, it's all he talks about. He actually gave Gus Poyet his manager of the year just because he stopped fucking Sunderland from going down. So some people will only look to the last uh, three months of the season, but but whatever I'll say about that is that we, we were even we we're twice the team that we were between November to January. We just breathtaking. I didn't expect it. I won't lie. I was very nervous. You know, hesitant about saying we were going to even get top four come the end of the, uh, probably December. I'd say even then I was still like, oh God, please God. At the end of the transfer window, I was like, please God, just let us get into the top four if we can, fourth spot. Uh, it was actually the Fulham game. It was after Stevie scored that penalty. That was when I lost my head completely. And I was just convinced we were going to win it. Uh, week in, week out, I just said, this is it. You know, we're going to win it. And uh, obviously it didn't work like that. But, you know, I think we've we've shown great progression over the year, um, within the styles of play, uh, the performance-wise as well, and you know it really couldn't have ended any better than uh, to have a, a slightly drunk Edinburgh man mount me in front of my mo- mother. Uh, it really doesn't get any better than that to end the season. But uh, you know, all in all, it was it was just absolutely incredible. I'm just interested in, when we're talking about that sort of first three months, Ryan. Um, and it was an absolute pleasure 
to mount you as well. I have to say it was it was fantastic, and I wasn't even slightly drunk either. It was just just carried away with the event and your magnificent art. Um, <laughs> John, hold on, no, hold on, no. You say that as if it only happened once. I remember one distinct moment where I huddled over in in stress, and you just started decided to hump me for a second time. You're like, go oh, go on, Ryan. I know you like it. Like, <laughs> what the fuck you doing? Because you, you were absolutely flaking out, and 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 we don't played <laughs> ten minutes. You know, you were like, "Oh no, we've lost it. We're going to lose the game." Um, you know, it was only ten minutes in. Um, so I was just trying to chill you out. Obviously, it never had that effect. Help, but help, you know, you, you tweet me a lot more now, so I'm I'm, I'm convinced it's sort of left you <laughs> a, a lasting impression. Um, I was just going to ask you on the point around you were talking about the first three months. Um. I think one of the points I made back way, way, way back at the kind of start of this um, podcast was that it, we almost seemed like a sort of team confused. And then all of a sudden we had a team with different ideas. We had plan A and variations on plan A, but never quite a plan B. I would just be interested on your take on that and how you think that's evolved. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I can see where you're, what you're saying. I mean, the second half of Roger's season uh in the first season should i say that was when we first started playing jared and lucas as a pair and then when suarez got suspended we kind of drifted into that 4-2-3-1 with coutinho off um off behind sturridge or yeah sturridge and um i think rogers kind of saw that gerard because we were playing much deeper then you know we had a very deep defensive line with carriger and agar and gerard and lucas it wasn't that bad you know it actually i was i thought jared did really well and in that second half of 12 13 but like you said, the first three months of this season, Rogers just he persisted with it, and he also got stuck with trying to accommodate a number of defenders, um, Skirtle Torre and, and Sacco, it, putting them into the the back three didn't really work. You know that Arsenal game was just horrific. I mean, the, the people like to slate Ali Sissoko for that game, which is really harsh because you know first of all he was playing out of position, but second of all he wasn't even the worst player that day. He might have got subbed off at half time, but our midfield was horrific. I mean, Sky Sports did an analysis of Ramsey's second goal and Jared and Lucas were just sitting right ahead of them. And it was also naivety on Rogers' part as well. Um, I think he learned a lot in the first three months. You know, look at the derby as well when he took off Allen after his miss. You know, his, his head might have gone, you know, but we pretty much sacrificed a man in midfield and Everton went on to just batter us for the next few 10, 15 minutes. So I think, you know, you, you do have a point. I think Rogers he might have been confused, but I think he was experimenting um, the experimenting never really stops with him, but I think he's gotten a lot more clever with what he's doing. Uh, he's obviously reverted to a diamond formation now, and that's kind of a variation of a 4-3-3. You know, I was at the Shamrock Rovers game, and Barini and Aspas were, although they were playing up front with Ibin behind them, they were drifting very far wide at times. You know, Barini's goal at the second half, he was starting out in the left wing, left forward position. So I think from now on, Rodgers might stick to the 4-3-3 and variations with the 4-3-1-2. But he learned a lot in those first three months. You know, he was he was still, like, he's still learning. He's, he's not finished yet. He's nowhere near the finished article, as is the same with the rest of our team. But, yeah, we, we definitely, it was a team that was confused. It was just a lack of pressing that really, that, that bugged me a lot. There was no real work rate in there, uh, in my opinion, anyway. It, it was just, it wasn't very. It wasn't what we expected, and you know, we watched them in pre-season. It was a completely different team to the one in pre-season. Um, right, Ryan. Um, on the 11th of January, Liverpool dropped to sixth place in the league, just 17 days after being top at Christmas. 
Uh, I know you mentioned Fulham and that's when you started believing, but uh, Twitter imploded when we dropped down to six. So how were you feeling when we dropped down to six? Were you confident that we would uh, get back in the title race or do you think fourth was the uh, the realistic um, challenge after that? I actually I didn't realise we had dropped as far as sixth. I thought we only dropped as far as fifth for a week. I thought for I think for the rest of the season we were in the top four for must have been thirty six weeks in the end if we dropped to sixth by January the eleventh. Um, yeah, like I say, in January I was I was just confident that we were going to sign. I thought we were going to sign a midfielder. We heard all the rumours that we were in for uh, Dave's favourite Yanavia of uh, Ruben Kazan and the Salah rumours. You know, just blah 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 we just thought we'd get someone and then come the end of the you know 12 o'clock at night you know sitting there waiting to hear if the deal went through for Conop Yanka. like that was when I think when that didn't happen I was very very pessimistic about it I really felt it was like why have we like it's going to be so hard to do this why didn't we strengthen in some way but you know I, I don't know I was very like I said during January, I was confident that we would get back into the fourth. I, I never really considered us in the title race too much up until uh, February or March. Uh, I just wanted us to get fourth, and I thought we could have got third, but then, like I said, January winner didn't plan out well, and it caught me by surprise in how, what happened in the end. And just overall, I mean, Ryan, just just having a sort of look at what you thought was a sort of pivotal moment in the season. Was it a pivotal moment, a player, or, or, or anything? Did, did you have any thoughts on that? Well... There's probably one or two. I'd say the Spurs game, John, was really, you know, that that's my game of the season. I may as well say it now, like later on, I'll talk about it then. That for me was when it just, it really switched. That was probably the first part. And then the second part was probably Gerrard's header against Everton. And those eyes, it was from then on that it was like, you know, what, you know, what's going on here? You know, this seems a little bit more than than what it seems this isn't just scoring against Everton like what what is this at work and then the penalty obviously coincides with that but I think those two moments were probably in different parts of the season and with different emotions at the time that's what really caught my eye and for those few months afterwards really lifted my beliefs okay thanks Ryan that was fantastic um so we're coming on the the the, the boss man of the AI podcast or the auto Anfield index himself gags um your summary of the season, um, the highs and the lows, and, and, and kind of how you feel overall. It felt like a season for me of stepping up. Um, uh, Rogers emerging as a master man, uh, you know, at man management and coaching. Liverpool emerging as challengers. Liverpool players emerging, youngsters, uh, players that were bit part stepping up. The whole club took off, um, off the field as well. Lots of uh, commercial deals, a stadium, so much stepping up uh from from the club as a whole and and that 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 really was the story this season for me was that we we've now stepped up we've stepped up to the plate and we are you know we are where the club deserves to be in the Champions League and you know second place unfortunately second place but that's that the league, the league table doesn't lie that's where you deserve to be um but it would have been lovely if we finished first. So, yeah, it was, I mean, amazing with the squad of players that we had, what we did. We started off slowly. Uh, quite funny that we started off with three clean sheets <laughs> at the end of the season. We were, we, were, we were dying for those clean sheets and they, they just weren't coming. But we weren't scoring as much. And then I think it was something like what Ryan said um, up until November. We were, we were a bit part. We were good at home, 
very good at home and uh, we struggled away and uh, that that really needed changing and we had a, a whole load of stats really the podcast turned up in november for me the year's been um off you know covering the get covering the game covering the team it's been amazing for me um and for john obviously and and dave and all the guys that are involved in the pod personally because of the podcast turning up as well emerging it's another emergence um yeah so so really we the the, the that game against spurs I remember just before that, I think we were all worried about Henderson being injured because Gerard was out for, for that game. And we were worried about Henderson. And it just showed how much we all started to rate Jordan. Um, it, it, he, he finished the season brilliantly last year, uh, 2012-13. He was scoring goals, assisting. But this year was different. He didn't actually have as much of... Um, you know, he wasn't scoring as much, as, as much and assisting as much as the year before. It's obviously, he played half a season, so he did better then. But now, he was the work off the ball that he was doing. That was amazing. And that game against um, Spurs, he actually scored. And um, I think he assisted as well for Suarez in that game. And he was just amazing. And it just pushed us on to another, another level. I thought that was really where the confidence came. And that was really where we started to move on and we thought, well, you know what? It's not, we don't have to worry if Gerard's not playing. We don't have to worry because all these players, come, and that was when Coutinho was playing, oh, he was playing left, he was playing wide left then, but then Coutinho emerged centrally. There's all these, and then and then Sterling came later on, then Flanagan in that game as well against Spurs, but there was all these players. Um, I think Sterling was amazing in that, in that game against um, Spurs as well. So all these players stepped up to the plate around that November, December time. And then we just kicked off into an unbelievable run. And we didn't look back. And it was a shame at the end. I think we, we, we dropped off, really. Um, Sturridge was injured. Henderson getting banned. I think all those things caught up with us. And I think, really, if Henderson was fit... I mean, sorry, not fit. I think if he was not banned, I honestly think we probably would have won it, you know. I probably think we would have. But um, I'm very pleased with the whole season. I thought it was a season of emergence of Liverpool coming up and stepping up, and we did. And I'm looking forward to a really good summer now and, and buying some players and adding to this squad and ready for a, a, a season of European football at the highest level. I mean, it's so exciting, so, so exciting. Guys, just a couple, well, no, one question in regards to Henderson. First of all, did you expect him to reach the levels that he has now? Did you think that his ceiling was... Uh, below the current level of output that he has, and where do you think? What do you expect from Henderson next year and, and in the next few years from Liverpool? I think Henderson. I think at the end of last season, we all started to believe it wasn't this. I think at the start of this season, we all we all expected a lot from him this season. We all knew he was going to get games, which you know he was he was he was played every game that he was available for. So um, in the league, that is. So yeah, we we I expected him to do to do major things but what I expected from him was more output in terms of goals assists I don't think that kind of happened as much as um, he did last year in that half a season but what he what what I didn't expect was obviously the change in um, style that we had and and Henderson sitting next to Gerard with with a Coutinho or with an Allen and then the hard work I mean I think he always worked hard but we never measured it and this year we started measuring it and when we started measuring it, we, the podcast, meaning us, that really then took off. That really then took off on, in terms of people 
respecting the hard work that the team was doing, not just Sturridge, because Allen, Coutinho, everybody was a Sterling, Flanagan, even Gerard in games, Suarez, everybody was pressing, and I thought that was the thing. Um, it that was something major. I think that helped get it across that like how how hard these guys worked and how hard, especially Henderson worked, and then uh, going forward. I think he's he's the glue. He's the glue of the team. You look at some of those assists he made this season. Not only his hard work defensively and winning the ball back, but you look at some of the assists he made this season. I think he was the only player that had three assists via back heels. I think Sturridge had two, but he had three via back heels. A couple for Suarez, one for Sturridge. I mean, that's confidence. It's, it's outrageous. It's confidence. It's, it's absolutely so, incredible. So much confidence in this guy. The guy has got it all. He's got so much skill. Um, I used to say when he first came into the team, he's one of the first best first time passes in the squad. You know, he can control a ball really well. Um, yeah. You saw the goal against, I think it was, um, was it Swansea? Where he touched it outside the box and just basically side-footed it into the top corner. I wish he would do that more, you know. Stuff like that. I wish he would get a chance and get into those positions more to score because he can definitely finish. He could definitely finish. He needs to get into the position more to give it, get himself some more confidence. What he lacks is confidence, and that's affecting his finishing. But he can finish. And uh, we saw that last year as well, you know, the the year when he was against when he played against Newcastle, against Villarreal, where he ran through from a Coutinho pass. And that was 2012-13. So he can prove he can one-on-one and stuff. He can finish. But he just needs that confidence. And I think um, he's definitely... He's got it all. He can defend. He can attack, like I said, with the the, the, the assists that he made. Some of them were outrageous. So this guy, is he's still young. He's got so much to offer. Signing up, sign, sign him up on a long-term contract, you know. Because this guy, uh, I can't wait to see him play in the Champions League. Because he's one of those that gives his all as well. He's like another Suarez. You know, you've got a Suarez in there that will just have that much passion. Have you seen the... The passion in Henderson's face when he scores, it's unreal. unreal. Yeah, I was just, I was just no. watching back the goals of the season earlier on. Sorry to just jump in quickly. And I'd completely forgotten about his pass against Cardiff. Remember on the outside of the foot from inside his own half? Set Amazing. Up for it was the, like Gerard. It was like incredible. a Gerard one. He was, was incredible it, for those two months. Yeah, it was. Some of the assists were unbelievable. And we can't forget. I mean, to, I wanted, what I wanted to talk about more was some of the stats as well. But we can do that later. But... The creativity in this side this year, you know, to score goals, you've got to create. And the creativity in this side was unreal. We talk about Suarez and Sturridge, but you look at Sterling, Gerrard, Henderson, Suarez himself, um, you know, all these players that created the chances. They were they were phenomenal. Coutinho, they were phenomenal. I mean, Sterling as well had a ball outside the right foot, you know, to, to, to Sturridge. You know, was it against Swansea? That was, that was unreal as well. So they've, they've all been... They've all had flashes of brilliance and it's exciting, really exciting times. I hope we just continue the way we are and we just showed it up at the back a little bit. I'm telling you, we're going to be, uh, we'll be strong, very strong again. Um, Gak, you talked about uh, emergence. Yeah. I want to go on to Daniel Sturridge. Yeah. He had a, a great end to last season when we signed him. He's been absolutely immense since, since we, he's mm. come into the side. Mm. But um, I want to talk about the, firm, the first couple of games where Suarez was banned. Yeah, and uh, how well he did. You know, the pressure was really on then, and he's shown what what he can do for us. He was That's amazing. What your thoughts on on he he he. Um, I I don't think Sturridge gets enough praise. I honestly don't. I think um, he he's as good as Suarez in terms of goal scoring. I know a lot of people are going to 
laugh at me now, but you know what? I've got some numbers for you. Well led in, well led in, Nick. I knew you, you know, you're made for TV, you. Um, right, that's, that's why. <laughs> Danish TV, by the way. Um, yeah, so we've got some stats here. Suarez, um, in the last two years, 54 goals, seven, 17 assists. Absolutely unreal. 37 clear-cut chances created. 110 minutes per goal and involved in a goal every 83 minutes. Yes, you've got those stats. Suarez, 110 minutes per goal. Involved in a goal every 83 minutes. Sturridge, 31 goals, 10 assists in his 18 months that he's been at the club. 13 clear-cut chances. Much different to Suarez. Uh, but 110 minutes per goal. And involved in a goal every 82 minutes. So you can see how similar they are. Absolutely uh, par. Par with each other. 110 minutes per goal each. And involved in a goal every 83 or 82 minutes. That is absolutely amazing. If you hadn't heard those before, you have now. Sturridge, in terms of scoring and involved in goals, bang on the same as Suarez in the time that he's been on the pitch. So... Like you just said, you just said there. What do I think? I think he's as important. He in front of goal, one on one. Man, he's been lethal, lethal this season. That goal against Arsenal, one on one. He just tapped it in. The keeper didn't even move. Uh, it was. It, he's been sublime. I just, I don't have words. He's been excellent. And these two are key for us again next year. And we need to add another striker really to give Sturridge the rest. The only thing with Sturridge is he picks up injuries. As long as we've got another player there, um, you know, obviously the nightmare would be losing both of these guys to injury. But one or the other, we're okay because we've got players like Sterling, Coutinho, you know, to come in and and play well. And if we've got another striker, maybe Barini, to try and link up with these two and understand the way they play. Because that was one of the things that Barini probably struggled with in the first year. Or maybe Suarez was just having a go at him too much in that first season because Suarez was really harsh on him at times. I used to watch live in the stadium and Suarez used to be berating him, even you know. So hopefully this year... Um, Barini, Barini comes in and, and brings that confidence with him from Sunderland and maybe strikes up a um, you know a partnership with either one of these guys as well when, when one of them isn't playing because it's a lot of games to play for these two um, Just a, a quick question on another one on Henderson and pressing um, do you think that our pressing game especially with uh, John Henderson and Joe Allen was pivotal to how, uh, how our season went and um, giving us that second place platform to develop on from next season? Yes, yes, it was uh, vital. We we first started collecting the pressing stats in um, November, December against Spurs, and um, they were they were impressive because they were the first time we ever did it. So we were all like, "Whoa, this is new, this is cool." And then it was just time constraints, really, for me. I couldn't do it much, and it was time consuming and. Christmas and there's so much going on obviously at home as well and then the full-time job this is not my full-time job this is just something I do part-time so um, on top of that then we did the whole game which was a slight I think it was a bit less we didn't uh, press as much this is the whole win at home and then we moved on and as we got into the bigger games the Arsenal's the 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 Everton the um, what was the other one the Southampton the Man United's these games it was just going off the charts. We were improving every game and it was like, whoa, what the hell's going on here? So at that point then, yes, we could see. We could then we then had enough data to say well not enough data. It's not never there's not ever enough data to analyze anything. But um 
over those games, we could see the improvement coming day by day and game by game and week by week in each podcast. We talked about these pressing stats and everybody, every single time after was like, wow, wow, wow. Every week was like, wow, this guy, Henderson, 37, Allen, 39, Coutinho, 35 pressing, you know, uh, actions a game. And, and all of them were just in, in different games, different players were doing different things. And it was um, vital, absolutely vital for us. Especially in the first half games, it looked like we were just strangling teams, death by football. We were just pressing them off the park in the first um, 20, 20 to 30 minutes. And there's no better example than the Arsenal game where Henderson went over to Ozil and, and really just pressured him so much that he fell over like a pansy and nicked the ball off him. And, and then off that move, um, Sterling scored. So uh, again, there was another one in that game, Coutinho pressed the ball, intercepted a, a Wilshire pass and um, ran with it a few yards and it was um, perfection in perception or whatever I called it, I can't remember, in in um, anticipation, that was it. Perfection in anticipation happened and um, the, the Coutinho pass and the storage run in sync, magnificent, absolutely brilliant. It was perfection. It was, uh, yes, yeah, so pressing played a massive part and it's going to play a massive part next year. It went down um, as the season went on, the, the, the pressing act, but we were getting tired and we haven't we didn't have a big squad and you could see that happening. And with the pressure coming on as well, we could see that reducing. But um, yeah, I can see with more players added, the same, the type of players that, um, obviously the Lalana by, uh, just going over to Lalana, Lalana, he presses the, the ball a lot. Now, we've all talked about the 25 million and whatever, whatever. But if you're talking about a player to match a philosophy, that guy will come in and, 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 and press the ball a lot. I don't know about how many minutes he plays and he gets subbed a lot, all that. You know, there's loads of pros and cons about him. But what he does do is fit the philosophy. So that's the probably the type of stuff, uh, the type of player that Rodgers needs to go and buy in terms of getting players that will fit the philosophy and then push us to another level and have so many players in a squad that do it. And it's not, so it's not like we, we sub someone or someone gets injured and someone comes in and they're not used to that. So, you know, hopefully we get the right guys in, we move on and we, 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 we go to another level of uh, pressing and, and we're going to try and collect even more stats next year. And we're building a little tool for it. We're gonna we're gonna open an area of you know for our writers to do something and and hopefully get access to these stats and write about them more as well. So yeah, should be a, a big year next year. Gags, I, I've got a question for you. Um, we we've obviously had a lot of dialogue over the, these podcasts over the last few months, and one of the things that that came up, especially because it was just closing in on the January transfer window. The subsequent failure to sign any players, that type of thing. What what I'm fascinated at by all of the kind of writers and 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 everybody kind of going on about is, is everybody's just talked about the football, um, which is a, a a real step forward off the pitch, isn't it? Because you know because the football has been so good, because everybody's been so focused on winning the league title, that actually maybe the biggest achievement that Rodgers has is 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 actually allowing people to enjoy football again. At a basic level, because I think as fans we've sort of been distracted. More, more than a basic like, level, John. It was. Oh, yeah. It took us to another level. It took us to a plane. It took us to a different plane, didn't it? I mean, you and me, we used to talk. We used to talk before a podcast, and we used to be like, "I've been dreaming about Liverpool. I've been dreaming about, uh, uh, you know, about what's going to happen in the next game." Or 
I can't wait to the next game because we weren't playing midweek. It used to be excruciatingly painful to wait for that next game. And you well, know what that shows you? Yeah, <laughs> you wish. Um, but uh, basically, you, you think about what this season did for us. How much did we look forward to every single game? And even though that game might have stressed the shit out of us, we were we were addicted to that. We were... It got us, if we fell in love again, you know, everybody fell in love again with it all. And somebody like me, I was, I was a freak anyway. I would, I would try and analyze pre-season. This is before the pressing stats came up and everything. If there was no, I'm, I'm mental anyway. So if there was no um, stats for a pre-season game, I'd sit there and collect all the passing stats. So that's every single bloody pass. And then we did that in Toronto and there was like something like 800 passes. I was like, bloody hell, eight hours of this, I can't be doing it. But you know, so I'm mad anyway. But imagine the level of craziness I got to with this season. I mean, it was, whew, it was a great year, man. I mean, they, they, they made us dream. Then that there's, I mean, this it's very, sometimes it's cringe, you know, make us dream. But we a lot of people feel that outside Liverpool support a cringing, you know, cringe at that. But it bloody did. It really did make us dream. So that was brilliant, and I really enjoyed that summary by everybody. I think sticking with the football, um, sticking with the, the 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 theme of making everybody fall in love again. I want to ask the guys about the 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 goals that they enjoyed most this season. So. I've asked everybody to prepare a top three. Um, and Nick, I'm going to come to you, mate. You, what are your top three goals of the season? And, and that's by everyone, so, you know, including Luis Suarez. A lot of people say don't include Suarez, but Christ, we scored so many goals with him without him. It, it feels criminal not to include it. So, your top three goals of this season? Yeah, I've got two Suarez goals in my top three. Um, I'm going to go from three down to one. Um, my third best goal was um, Suarez against Palace. At home when he was um he, he was on the floor in the penalty box and still managed to put it in the back of the net. Um, the second one was a game that I was actually at, which was um, after the defeat to Hull, and um, we started the game against Norwich quite slow, and then this from Suarez came out of nowhere, the dipping volley, um, from about thirty forty yards, absolutely smashed it past John Ruddy. But my favourite goal of the season was a Daniel Sturridge goal. It was the fifth goal against Stoke in that mad five three game where he sort of danced on the line. Um, somehow kept it in, does some keepy ups. It was just absolutely mental, and yeah, he managed to somehow score that. Had somehow mental control, but yeah, that's my favourite goal of the season. And Ryan, coming to you, um, obviously there's some fantastic goals. Obviously, people can have the the other goals as well, um, you know, so so you can have the same goals or or, or whatever. But but the kind of top three goals that that, that really made you dream. Well, I, I I'll go from three to one as well, like Nick did. I got to give an honourable mention for uh, Ali Sissoko's thunderbolt against Stoke. Uh, crack and strike um, my third goal is I actually haven't got any from the Norwich game from Suarez um, not to be kind of cool about it but just if I was to pick one of those it'd have to be his uh, hat-trick goal that third one when he lobbed it over Leroy Fair and hit it on the half volley that was miles better than the than the, the thump and volley uh, but my third goal is uh, Sturridge's fourth against Arsenal because uh, after that went in, I just sat there. Uh, I was actually watching it with my mother. Uh, Well-discussed topic on this uh, podcast the last couple of weeks. And we just sat there and went, what in the Lord's Christ is going on? Like, I just couldn't believe it. It was just shell shock horror. Perfection um, in anticipation, mate. Perfection in anticipation. Oh, like, like, not even just the goal. Just the feeling of going 4-0 and 20. I just, I'd never... I, oh, breathtaking. Um, 
The second goal is uh, Danny Sturridge again. It's that chip versus West Bromwich Albion. It absolutely blew my balls off. It was incredible. And number one, uh, it, uh, it has to be the first goal versus Cardiff. That team goal, it was pass after pass. It was it was Barcelona-esque. Like, let's not be funny about it. It was just absolute perfection. Is, like, that, the Suarez, go, is that the Suarez volley? Yes. Oh, no, 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 no. Sorry, t- first goal against Cardiff away. Oh, right, yes. Got you, got Cardiff, you. Yeah, sorry. Cardiff away, I should have specified that. When we, we build up from the back and Coutinho came across the box... He found Glenn Henderson to Johnson or wherever it was, and Suarez just came in. The movement, everything was just. I I didn't even kind of react like I didn't scream like you would with most goals. I had a bit of like kind of like a John Bradley moment where I was like, "Oh, that's brilliant! That's absolutely brilliant! That's all I could do." I just, I was. It was kind of like in shock. It was actually a state of shock. I just couldn't believe how good it was. So that that'd be my top three. Uh, that was actually similar if you think about it to the. Um, do, do you remember when we played Swansea at home uh, the season before last, and it, was, it ended up Jose oh, yes. scoring of all people? But that, it was a similar type of build-up. The passing, you know, from a coach's point of view, that that's how you want your team to score goals. Yeah, like we don't really score. T- well, we do score a few, but we don't really score too many kind of patient build-up goals. They're more. A lot of our great our goals in the past few uh, months have been uh, the high press up the pitch and kind of forcing the team to come at us and then all of it, it's not counter-attacking football. You had Marco Lopez on last week describing it great and he, d- he described it to me as well, similar to a, kind of like a basketball move. I can't remember the name of it, um, but it was really fascinating that we just press so high up the pitch and at lightning speed that people think that we're on the counter. But most of our goals kind of came from like dispossess, pass, move, goal. Like just And again, John, from a coaching point of view, that's just as good, but when you can notch up 30-odd passes. Um, like, remember when Kenny first took over and Torres got that third goal against Wolves? Like, we all... I remember everyone was going mad over that one, but that's just because, you know, team goals are a thing of beauty. And, Zach, coming to you, mate, you, you, your top three goals of the season and, and, and what would actually help is, is why as well. What, what, were you, what, what was it you particularly enjoyed about them? Um, I think starting with my third favourite goal, I think I'm going to have to copy one of the boys and say the steerage chip. Uh, was it against West Brom? Uh, that just floated in, into the far corner. I think I don't think anyone can um, leave that out of the top three. I think it's just absolutely unbelievable. I don't think it actually gets the recognition it deserves. It's, I think it's one, easily one of our best goals of the season. Um, I think in second, my second favourite goal, I think... Um, was the Gerard free kick against Sunderland um, at Anfield? I think that that was the um, that was the only Premier League game I actually managed to attend this season, so I'm a really bad wall. But um, that was my first sort of like Gerard masterpiece scream or whatever you want, whatever you want to call it, like actually in the stadium live. So um, I was really I was really happy with that. I've got it on my phone, bit of a cherished memory. Um, and then I think my favourite goal of the season is Coutinho's. Um, three-two finish against Manchester City at Anfield. Um, the the commentary that went with it, with uh, Martin Tyler screaming Coutinho, like and like just the the feeling I had and what I was doing in my house at the time was just tearing things apart. <laughs> I was just um, I was going absolutely wild. That that goal just meant everything to me, especially on such an emotional day, such an emotional weekend. Um, um, remembering the Hillsborough tragedy on the twenty-fifth anniversary, so I think it was. Um, I think that's got to be my favourite, my favourite goal of the season. And Gags, coming to you, mate. Obviously, we've analysed so many of these goals, but from your point of view, what really got you off your seat? Um, there was, I think, one at Cardiff at home where 
we've played the ball around a little bit and then it's come out to Henderson wide and he's chipped it in. Uh, we we struggled against Cardiff at that point to get a goal and then it's come out the area, it's 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 dropping onto Suarez first time outside the box, smacked it right into the corner. It was just perfect. Just the way we played the ball around and it went to Henderson wide, Suarez is running off him, it's flicked over, it's just dropped right on his foot and he's just hit it right in the corner. That was the third. Um I like Sturridge's chip against um against West Brom. That one for me is is the type of goal I used to love scoring in FIFA. The chip, you know, I just love chipping a keeper. And and then the, the way he scored it, though, I mean, sublime goal that. I just thought, wow, that was amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling for my favourite. But I don't think... Um, I mean, there's a lot of goals that got me out of my seat. The, the City goal, you know, the Coutinho goal, the goals at Spurs, especially the chip by Suarez, a flick over that the, uh, Luis Alberto made for him. But the goal of the one that made my jaw drop was the, the hat-trick goal against Norwich. Um, and I know a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, we the Norwich ones are overdo it. But that goal where he flicked it over Leroy Fair, let it bounce and then put it in the corner. And then John Ruddy just kind of like wanted the world to, you know, the, the earth to swallow him up. And he just laid there flat down, face down, arms wide, you know, because he knew it was just so awesome. That, you know, and Suarez himself couldn't believe it. And he was just like, running backwards normally he'd be running towards the crowd doing his kiss or his his guns and stuff you know the <laughs> the shooting off but no he was like running backwards looking at the players going oh my god did i just do that it that for me um made me jump up you know made me made my jaw drop made me stand up i was clapping that goal i was clapping that goal that was sublime sublime goal from a sublime player one of the best players in the world for me it's a bit surprising that nobody's mentioned that. Um, do you remember that uh, Suarez header, the one from Ali Sizoko, and he the like, free header, the free header, yeah, header because because I think that was that was a goal <laughs> that everybody was just like, "Fuck, Suarez is good," but to, 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 to <laughs> the ball at that pace. I remember the, you know, I I must have watched the game back about three times on three different kind of crazy feeds, you know. Um, one was with, with, with kind of Dutch commentary and they were just going absolutely crazy. Another one was with John Bradley, who, who well, we all know what John Bradley's like. Everything's wonderful for Liverpool, even if we concede. Um, and then th- there was another one just on the, the kind of Premier League commentary and they were just like, fucking hell, th- th- this isn't absolutely incredible. Um, and I think we, we just have to um, a- acknowledge the fact that, that this season... Um, we've seen the emergence of a world player. We all knew Suarez was was kind of world class, um, or, or 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 class still within a kind of top, you know, you know six or seven. But he, he's really emerged into that, and and I think that's been one of the the joys of the season. That one that they kept him, um, and secondly the fact that he's delivered on so many levels. So looking at players who've delivered, but maybe looking at players who've delivered in another way. I want to have a look at breakthrough players this season. Um, so that, that that can be anybody that you like or anybody that you feel has really stepped up to the plate. Um, and Zach, I'm going to come to you. So so who is your sort of breakthrough player of the season, the player who you thought, Jesus, actually, maybe you have something? Um, I think my uh, breakthrough player of the year was John Flanagan, simply because did we? I don't think any of us even give, him, give a thought to him playing um, before before the season started, even before the Arsenal game, which is the game I think he stepped in. Um, 
I think in terms of, I don't think he's not the best fullback in the world, but he's. He, I think he's definitely proved that if he, he's definitely going to step up if we if we need him, especially in the big games. He, I think he was really great against that. I think he was good against Arsenal. One of the positives at the Emirates, even though we played quite poorly. Um, I think he, I think he played well in the in the derby as well. The three was it the three three? I think I think that showed that he can step up to the very biggest games. It doesn't get much bigger for us than than the Everton games. I think he'd be my breakthrough player. Of course, other people have had good seasons. Like uh, Sturridge is um, that's his first full season with us, and he showed that he can score on a consistent basis. But I think Flanagan for me is just um, he's just absolutely. I think he's just absolutely smashed it for us for quite a lot of the season. And uh, Nick, coming to you, mate. You, you, your breakthrough player of the season. Well, I've, I had three. Um, obviously, John Flanagan, but I mean, I'm not going to go into that because Zach's already done it. So I've got a pretty weird one. I'm going to go with um, Stephen Gerrard in his new position. I don't know whether people might slate me for saying Stephen Gerrard is a breakthrough player because how amazing he's been for Liverpool and he's been captain. Um, but yeah, since he went in this new position, and people thought, oh no, he can't do it, but he's broke through and proved that he really, really can do it. Um, my other one was um, Minouet, who I mentioned before, and how well he's done it in replacing Pepe Reina, who a lot of people um, obviously loved, like, obviously like myself. So yeah, but I'd probably say Steven Gerrard because of his um, moving into his new position. I'm just going to come on to Steven Gerrard, and, and, and actually, you know, let's open this up to the group. The, 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 the kind of, we've covered it on the podcast a lot. Um, the, our first podcast was... Um, has Rogers got the balls? And 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 the, the whole point about that was is has he got the balls to to drop Gerard? Um, and all of a sudden he changes position and and it's like a revelation. Um, does anybody else have a view on on how important that that kind of drop into that position was? And 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 do you think he'll continue going forward? Yeah, I I can I I think it was massive. It was massive because if you look at what happened with Stevie then through the season? He, he dropped backwards, but his creativity didn't stop. Because, I mean, you take Stevie out of this team now. You look at, I mean, we were talking about dropping him and stuff because he was playing uh, below par. But I think what it was, was that they had Stevie and Lucas together, which is a whole different conversation. But we stopped doing that. And then you saw how important it was to have two runners either side of Stevie to help him, to protect him. And what that did was it allowed Stevie to continue to create 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 chances for us and and intercept and make some great passes like he does he passes the ball so well he sees a pass earlier than anybody else and it really suited him and we 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 were much stronger there like that and then obviously his with him being on the pitch he got all those penalties and um he can score a free kick also so i also thought that he he links up well with suarez there's you know he links up well with storage there's there's these connections with players and I think um, that that was important. And having the captain on the pitch, man, I mean, you can't, we, we, we you know, that can't be underestimated that as important, very important. So, Gags, as you're on, uh, breakthrough players of the season. <sighs> okay, the, the, the big one for me was Raheem Sterling. Because at the start of the, at the, start of the season, it wasn't quite, proving himself you know he was there was a lot of question marks around him from last year I know he came through last year and he played well a couple of games but he really tailed off at the end and there were some issues off the off the pitch I don't know I don't really want to go into that but there was something with him where you know something wasn't right and then there was that big game at Hull 
where we played Moses and uh, Sterling with Suarez, and it was it was just awful. We were we were awful that game, and everybody was slating everybody. Moses probably got the name Victor fucking Moses at that point, um, but but Sterling wasn't very good either. And it took the next game, really. It was literally the next game against Norwich, where we played at home, I think it was. And and Stur- and and Steven Gerrard was on his case, you know, come on. And he really picked it up. He really, really picked it up there and started playing well. And he didn't look back. He then went to Spurs and absolutely annihilated their left-back. Was it Norton, was it, I think? I don't know. I can't remember. But, yeah, he absolutely... Uh, mashed up their left back. So, and then he he was he was amazing. He, towards the end of the season, you saw how good he was scoring those important goals. One against City, the opener against Norwich was uh, something I didn't think he had in his locker. But um, he's and now he's going to the World Cup and he's probably going to start for England. I mean, it's amazing. You talk about emergence. You talk about. Um, surprises, that's massive guys, that's massive, I know this England team's not exactly the best we've ever seen but for a young lad like that you know, teenager to come in and he's gonna he's gonna, most likely gonna start, or I hope he does, because we'll have a better chance with him starting and um, the, it's it's huge, it's huge so, looking past uh, Sterling I can't, I can't look past Sterling as the guy who, who stepped up this year and, and emerged for us and Ryan, mate, lastly to you, who's your breakthrough? Well, I, I guess I'll only be repeating what everyone has said, really. I mean, John Flanagan is the obvious one. You know, we'd completely written him off. Uh, I was, I for one, was very, very, very shocked at his including, um, at his inclusion in the Arsenal game at the Emirates. But he has really, really come good. He's not, as, you know, as, as the guys are saying, he's not the best fullback in the world, and he never will be. Um, I kind of wish he was only maybe another couple of inches taller and, and a bit stockier, and he could probably convert to a pretty decent centre-back if you needed to, uh, kind of similar to what Cara did. But there's just so many quality, quality Flano moments. Um, my favourite one is when he absolutely destroyed Mata, Janizai, and uh, Raphael down that right-hand side for United. He just wasn't having any of it. And the one thing I love about Flano is, is his face. It's that kind of scrunched up, you know, fucking dog-like face when he's looking at the referee is like, you know, that. What, what are you talking about? That wasn't me. That was a fucking cracking tackle. And he just absolutely destroys players. And Nick's after saying there, the Soldado won it. Like, I broke me shite laughing at him. I do be there laughing me head off when Flano goes flying in because it's, it's like two-footed tackles to the chest. He's like a 70s player or something. He's just... The spirit and the heart, you know, I think I remember someone saying uh, Kevin Grosskreis at uh, BV, uh, uh, BVB, Borussia Dortmund is like the heart and soul of that Dortmund team. I'm pretty sure he's a local lad. Like, he's not the most technically sound player at Dortmund. He's definitely not their best player. But, you know, he, he, he'll he always have a place because he, he, he's the life and soul in some ways. And that's what Flanagan is now because, obviously, Stevie, is he won't be around for another you know, maybe two years, three years at the max, I'd say. I don't really know. I don't want to guess. It'll depend on how his career pans out in the next while. But, you know, I think Flanagan now has that place is that he is going to be that scouse heartbeat. And you need that. You know, Liverpool need that in their team. You know, we don't want to lose our cultural identity. Uh, well, that's pretty rich coming from an Irish guy uh, saying that about Liverpool team. But you know what I'm saying. And Flanagan was absolutely superb. You know, lots of flaws. He, we definitely need to upgrade both full back positions but he's a fantastic, versatile option in, in behind. 
I think the Flanagan one's a, a great shout as well. I think from Flanagan's point of view, it's you know this is a player we thought was he you know he was basically going to be gone. Um, he he certainly you know for me I think it's sort of hard to describe. I, I owe him a massive apology when I saw him on that that team sheet against Arsenal. I went fucking crazy. Um, I absolutely went crazy, and I, and I, you know he never had a great game. But to be fair, you know he's coming on against Arsenal, Arsenal in a high pressure game, um, and it was just one of these difficult moments. And then all of a sudden he progressed, and and I just want to say that um, whilst you know I think he's going to be a great squad player for us, I think you're absolutely right, Ryan. He all he'll have a place in the team, um, but because he is that kind of scout's heart and soul, and I think you can say so much because his his heart and determination was there from it. I think Gags, you just had a quick point on United. Yeah, I had a I had a point on what he said, um, what Ryan said about Flano versus United, uh, when he when he when he had all all of that left hand side of uh, United in his pocket was it all right hand side whichever it was, and um, he pressed the ball nineteen times in that game, which was the third best in the side. And um, he won possession back six times and forced them back eight times. And it was just really cool because he, he, I remember watching it from the start and he was just all over them. He didn't give them a second on the ball. And they all thought, what the hell's going on? They had to switch Zanazai for a bit. It was just like, you know what? Nah, he just, he hasn't, no one's got the, no one's got the effort, man, that, that this boy's got. And in that game, he was so up for it. The and best then, part is the thumbs up at the end yeah, when we yeah. win and he gives the thumbs up to the fans. It's I just know. It's incredible. He's like Fowler was, you know, kind of winding people up. But the other one was the, the goal against um, Spurs, which we haven't spoke about. And I think Nick mentioned it. I mean, what a moment. One of, Got to be one of the moments of the season just because of the way the squad responded. I mean, and then his, his semi. I mean, oh my God. You know, it's just... Oh, the guy's the guy's a legend just for that goal. I mean, I that think was a if, bit like me with John on top of me. <laughs> if you go watch that goal again, about that though, Gags was. If you watch that goal one second, if you watch that goal again, and when it goes in, you look at Sterling's face, and he realizes he's just scored, and he just erupts with emotion because he's so happy for Flano, and it's obviously because they've come through the the ranks together, or at least have played together that down in in the youth setup and stuff. And they just they just jump on each other and and that's how and then Henderson's like telling people come on get on top of this boy because they're all so happy. It was it was such a good moment, mate. It was such a good moment. The the thing that was really special about that though, you you, you sort of alluded to it because I think it was first um, Suarez was always was looking at the crowd as if to say what the fuck Flano scored. This is fantastic. <laughs> then it was Sterling. Then it was Hendo. Then Flanagan finally realised he'd scored. <laughs> Did you see Lucas? Lucas tried to do a slide towards, and he misses the whole group by like about five feet. <laughs> they panned across to Kenny Dalglish, and and it was just after the point they announced that Dalglish was coming back as a non-exec direct and, um, sorry, direct um, director, and it, the the smile on Kenny's face, it, you know, I think we had Paul Dalglish on the podcast after that, and the smile on his face it just summed up all that was good about the team. I I, I think that kind of kind of typifies for me the point where we thought, you know what, we we are a team here. We really believe in getting other people goals. We really believe in everybody progressing, not just ourselves. And that's a huge, huge step forward from from Liverpool um, going on. It, it was one of the best moments. I, I have to completely agree. Okay, so I suppose one of the other things, we've talked about so many positives and, and we've talked about all of the kind of wonderful football that we've seen. 
what I want to think is, you know, ultimately we finished second. We didn't win any trophies this this, this season, and I think, you know, we're not on a downer. But after after Athletic won and whatever, I think it sort of hit everybody again that it could have been us. I suppose what I'm going to ask is, if we'd have played the way we'd played, um, and had we not sold or maybe loaned out one of the players um, that we did in the summer or or in in January, um, who who was that player that we sold or loaned? That actually we missed out on the most. Um, and Zach, I'm going to come to you. Who, who do who do you think that 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 player who maybe could have just got an over got us over the line, or or that player who could have maybe done a job for us? Uh, I think at the start of the season, when when um, you we see that Barini's being loaned out, I don't think we I don't think any of us would have batted, batted an eyelid. But I think after watching this season at Sunderland um, and seeing like the, his endeavour to impress and. I don't think he was in the Sunderland team at the start, but I think his endeavour to even, just to impress to get into a team that's at the bottom, I think, shows that maybe Barini had the heart and the um, and the the effort just to, maybe just that extra bit of effort to see us over the line, especially when um, when we had Suarez Suarez band at the start of the season it would have been good to have Barini as well as Iago Aspas, the short corner taking fiend that he is. Um, I think it would have been better to have Barini as a as an option to ask pass. Um I, I think I think Barini also showed that he's he's very good at, at the, in the high pressure games. He scored he scored in the League Cup final against uh, Manchester City, and that was a great finish with the outside of his foot. Um, and he scored and I think he also scored um, against Manchester United in the League Cup semi final, and then the he scored in the derby against Newcastle as well. So I think maybe just with all the high pressure games we played, especially during that. Um, that winning run of of eleven games, and then the um, the three games after that, I think maybe he'd have had something just a little extra, especially coming off the bench because we've not really had much. I don't. I think it got it was uh, quite quickly realised that we couldn't rely on Moses and Aspas and Alberto as um, as regular or even or even intermittent helpers from the bench. I just don't. I just don't think we had enough. I think Barini would have been a, a good option from the bench. And Nick, coming to you, mate. Um... Who's who's that player that we really missed? I'm going to be brutally honest and say we didn't miss any of the players that we loaned or sold. Um, simply because I think Breenies had um, a great experience at Sunderland and he um, really helped us. You know, we scored that goal against Chelsea. He really had an impact outside of the club, so it was good that we got rid of him. The player that we missed the most was a player that um, retired last season. I think I think Jamie Carragher. And whether he could have gone another season, I'm not quite sure, but. Having that leadership at the back, especially against Crystal Palace, we all know what um, we all know what happened there. If Carragher was in the back, he'd be like, "All right, lads, just calm it down now. Stop being stupid." And then maybe we would have seen the game out. That's a uh, yeah, Jamie Carragher for me. Just on the Carragher one, um, I'm going to open this up to people. Um, I sort of feel that that Carragher retiring at the time he retired probably was one of the reasons why we've done so well. And I know we, you know, we we, we conceded some. Pretty terrible goals this season. Pretty basic goals, but you know the. I suppose the one thing is that Carragher really, um, you know, he 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 was almost like our captain, but without being our captain, he was always the one with Stevie next to the referee, shouting at the referee. Stevie was always the one trying to calm Carragher down, and I think what we've seen this year is Gerard coming out of his shell, Gerard believing, and I think Carragher was maybe that type of person. You, you know, I'm not criticising him. He's an absolute legend for what he's done for the club. You know, the, the, his performances over the years have been second to none. But the key thing is, I think, just that towards the end, he'd maybe lost that belief. 
and I'm not sure he's maybe that kind of person. It, 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 it's one thing, come in if you disagree or whatever, but it's just one of the things for me. Has anybody got a view on that? I haven't got a view on that really, but I've got another point um, that I missed out. Um, at the end of last season when Carragher came back in, we conceded 13 goals in the last 16 games. I know we're playing a different system and yeah, it's not. It's only goals conceded. But um, this season we conceded 22 goals in the last 16, so that's a nine, nine goals more that we conceded without Jamie Carragher than with it's only basic stats, I know, but and a different systems, but it's just a, a little comparison for you there. Um, maybe if we kept Carragher, maybe inside the club, if you're saying that he had an impact on Gerrard, maybe we wouldn't have done so well. I do accept your point there. But I think we would have been a, a better with that leadership at the back. We really miss with Skirl and Agger and Sacco. Ryan, coming to you, who, who is that player that, that, that we missed the most, if any? Uh, just very, very, very quickly on Carragher, um, I don't think it would have been great to have him this year simply because it means that we would have to accommodate him. Uh, we would have to sit a lot deeper. Um, it's kind of similar with the arguments for Agger at the moment. I know there's a lot of speculation there, but to accommodate either of those players, you know, neither of them are quick. I mean, I'm not Skirtle's biggest fan, but he is pacey and I can see why Rodgers keeps him in there. But I think uh, Carragher's leadership is similar to Agar. You know, both of them are the kind of calming presence in some ways and organisers. But that's unfortunately kind of not all they have. But if you know what I'm saying, I, I think Carragher probably had to retire in some ways because we, we really need to just develop the system. And that's why, you know, anyway, that's why we'll be looking at centre-backs, whatever, in, in the future, hopefully. But to be honest, I agree with Nick. I don't think we should have should look and say, oh, you know, we missed X, Y, and Z because, you know, Barini, Suso, um, Andre Wisdom, they've all developed on their loan. I think in the long run, it'll be much more beneficial. Um, I was watching Barini against Shamrock Rovers and, I, you know, I thought he had progressed. You know, he, he scored some great goals for Sunderland this year. But um, it, when he, he was very similar to how I watched him in preseason on, on last Wednesday. He was still making kind of bad decisions when in on goal. Alan played him in on goal and he, he took an extra touch when he probably should have just tried and hit it first time because it was a smashing pass and it would have been a great goal. He took his own goal second half very well. But anyway, I, I, I personally think we didn't really miss anyone. You know, we probably could have said, oh, we, look, we would have liked Barini off the bench or Asfas off the bench. But the season, you know, for all we know, if we had kept Barini and brought him on in some games, we could have finished fifth. We just don't know. The way it panned out was the way it panned out. Uh, there's two sides to that coin, but that, that's just how I feel anyway. I think in the long run, pe- putting those people out there uh, on loan, it will be much more beneficial, and it'll also recoup a bit of money, even if they're not to stay here. And Gags, lastly, coming to you, um, we, we talked again a lot about this over the season. Um, who was who that player that we maybe um, just just missed the edge, or, or was it even a player that got injured? Yeah, there's. I mean, there's the Henderson missed for the last three games that I talked about earlier that was vital. I think where we struggled all all season, majority of season, was at fullbacks, you know, our fullbacks. Um I think Glenn Johnson didn't cover himself in any glory this season. So maybe Andre Wisdom playing at right back might have been a little bit better, you know, maybe had an effect um like like Flano. You know, if Flano continued playing the left, on the left, and then Wisdom on the right, I know, I know, it's like we won't have, it wouldn't be very, you know, experienced. But then again, this is how you learn. And with Rogers, I reckon he'd maybe go on to another level at that point. And having him in the squad, it would have been better because I think Glenn Johnson would have known also that 
I've got some competition here because obviously there's no there's no competition with Kelly. Kelly coming back from injury, struggling in it with with injury. Kelly's not going to take that right back spot with Enrique out. Flano has to go and take the left back spot, so he's not taking Johnson's right back spot either. So yeah, you know there was no competition for Johnson. He was going to play right back regardless. And the fact, well, Ali Sissoko guys and Nick saying Ali Sissoko, but you know it tells you everything. If we have to play a right back at left back. Okay, so <laughs> there goes that argument. But the thing was, Johnson, who's played at left-back before for us, regularly, was then playing right-back. And we had to play the younger player at left-back. Shows you how much confidence we had, you know, in Flanagan. And the fact that we had no confidence in Johnson playing there, the way he was playing. So... I mean, it's crazy. It really is. The way everything worked out, it would have been nice, you know, to have Wisdom there just to see how he did. There's no guarantee, you know, there's no guarantee. It's all hindsight, but there's no guarantee whether it would it would have worked or not. But it would have been good to see. And maybe we'll, we'll get to see it this, this season. But I think a left-back's probably priority with Flan Flanagan being there, with Wisdom coming back. Maybe we'll get that, that shout to, you know, maybe we'll get the chance now this year to look at, um, those two youngsters fighting for that right back um, position with uh, Glenn Johnson stalling apparently on the next contract. So it, it's going to be interesting. We definitely need a left back, but yeah, I, I think if we were missing someone, it was a, it was definitely a, a full back, and I think maybe Wisdom was that shout. Um, uh, it would have been really interesting to see. Okay, so we're going to come on to, and this is just a bit of a laugh, before anybody has a bit of a go at us or whatever, it's not having a go at Rogers, but we, we just want to have a, a little laugh and, and have a look at some of the funny things that maybe Rogers has said this season, or even the poignant things, um, because, you know, I think Rogers just has this way with words, Rogers has this kind of, he's very articulate, it's probably something that he's developed and he's talked about going into Mourinho's press conferences and saying the right thing at the right time, um, but I remember watching the Man City game with Jim Fishlock and we were looking at the, the press conference afterwards and Jim Fishlock just went, ah, I love this guy, I love this guy and and, and you know what, I do too, we've all got man love for, for, for Rodgers but, so whether it's his funniest quote or whether it's his best quote this season, um, Zach, I'm going to come to you. What was your best and funniest Brendan Rodgers quote of the season? Um, I think my funniest Brendan Rodgers quote was um, I think it was after the uh, the Tottenham game at Anfield, where he's um, he's been interviewed and he's been drumming into all the players and the supporters and the staff there saying, um, "Yeah, we're concentrating on the next game. Like we're taking one game at a time, one step at a time, baby steps, all that kind of stuff." And he um, and he comes into it. He goes. Just concentrating on the next game, you know. And the next game is Manchester City. No, it's not. The next game is West Ham, and it's tomorrow night. And he's, you know, what I mean, he, he, even he's getting carried away now. He's thinking about Manchester City, which is um, which is uh, two games down the line. West Ham. He's just completely leaving him out. I, th I just, I thought it was so funny because he's just completely um, contradicting himself in the same sentence. But he, he recovered. He made a little joke out of it. And uh, every, I think the interviewer laughed at the time as well, so I think he got away with it. I don't think uh, it was really blown up too much. And Ryan McTellan, your thoughts? Uh, my favourite Brendan Rodgers quote uh, is quite a recent one. It, <clears throat> I wish I have like uh, your man Darren Farley to do the voice, but uh, it's uh, he is a very conscientious boy. He loves Liverpool and he is very hard on himself. Uh, he was talking about Steven Gerrard, uh, very much not a boy, the oldest man in the squad, and I had a good laugh at that because 
it was just what are you talking about he's like the most man he's got that rugged beard going on manly man i suppose some kind of stereotype but i had a real laugh at that that he referred to him as a as a, as a boy and uh gags your, your best quote i know i know you've struggled with this gags um, i've i found something that that um that i enjoyed i enjoyed so i'm gonna go to something that made me laugh and smile and it was early on in the season it was when um liverpool unveiled the new museum and and it was in october and basically, um, Rogers was there and they were interviewing him and we were around second or third in the league, but we were only like a couple of points off the top spot. So we started really well. And and the, the question came to him, you know, how are Liverpool doing? What do you think? And he was just saying, you know, we're doing really well. We're up there. We're not doing too badly for a team that needs eight players, you know, to win, to, to challenge for the title. So <laughs> it was a nice little slap to um to to Fergie and and when you look back at that what he said there and to basically say basically oh you know we're we're not we're we're eight players off and then to actually challenge for the title the same season um Fergie really took some slaps this year didn't he with the Moyes and then and then us challenging and eight years oh I mean eight players sorry eight players eight first team players to challenge for the league oh mate you retired at the right time, son. You retired at the right time, you red-faced, red-nosed bastard. <laughs> oh, I loved it. Yeah, so that really made me laugh. That really made me laugh. So um, I, I love that Rogers quote to, uh, to to be a bit cheeky to... to um... And Mr. Trouse, your um, favourite Rogers quote. By the way, it? is it Truss or Trouse? It's Truss, but <laughs> I don't mind. Uh, ben... Ben, yeah, ben. Ben. I've been called Truff, Trust. I've got some, yeah, it's not the worst one I've heard. It's all right, we can call you anything you, you like. Bell end yeah. the, the week is yours. Yeah, that's fine, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that trophy. As long as I get a t shirt made, then it's mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know what? We're not going to do Bell end of the week, but if we were, it's definitely going to Yaya Tori for being a petulant. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, oh my God, get a birthday cake. Oh, for fuck's sake, go and buy yourself one of, you know, Jesus Christ. That's really riled me today. Um, uh, so, Nick, your, um, your, your best uh, Rogers quotes. Uh, it was after the Southampton game at home when we won, and um, it was on Saturday Night Football. And David we, Jones, we lost, we lost at home. Oh no, it was away. Right, yeah, it was away. We won three 0 and um, yeah, David Jones was asking him how many games we have to win to put in a serious title challenge, and he sort of like gave a little childish laugh and was like, "I don't want to. I'm not going to give you an answer." And it was just, it was just funny because he, he was dying to give an answer, saying, "We're going to win all ten, and we're going to win the league." But no, he just he wouldn't. He was just trying to be a calm but it was quite funny though and and do you know what mine's is after the season um because he gave a little interview on uh talk sport last night um mr rogers and he um it was kind of a dodgy interview uh, basically the whole reason he was on talk sport was because uh jason cundy and um andy goldstein had basically predicted that liverpool wouldn't finish in the top four and and even when the you know they were top of the league at christmas and whatever they were like look Look, United are going to come back. They're going to knock Liverpool off their perch. Yada yada yada. Um, and I couldn't think of two nicer men who to, to then put a bet to a fan and then to subsequently lose a bet. And because Jason, oh my word, if there's a bigger bell end out there other than Yaya Tori today, then 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 tell me who he is. But um, what they had to do is they they said, look, we're going to shave our heads if Liverpool get into the top four. 
and because they got into the top four, they they shaved their heads live on air last night um, and got Rogers on to witness it. And and the the inevitable well, he witnessed it via radio. Well, you you know, listen to it and all that. Type of stuff. <laughs> Don't be a pedant. Ben, Ben, Ben. Did, no, but I, I I was reading this yesterday. How did Rogers witness it? Did they have a webcam? Did, yeah, I but, don't understand, you know, because they did they take a photo afterwards and put it on the yeah, website? They, they, they took a, a photo and they had great. Up on That's the okay then, because otherwise they got away with it, man. On radio, anybody could shave their head. Absolutely. So, um, inevitably, rather than talking about Liverpool, they, they said, oh, congratulations on manager of the year. Well done. Uh, how was Liverpool? And they gave him like a two-second time to respond, and then they moved straight on to the, the Van Gaal announcement. And they said, so what do you think about Van Gaal? And he said, do you know what? I'm so, so sad that David Moyes never got to finish the the, the job that he started at Manchester United. Um, and I, 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 I was having a cup of coffee at the time and I just spat it out. out. It was absolutely brilliant. Because uh, I just thought, do you know what? Fucking loving this. Everybody just, um, you know, it, it was one of the, you know, typical Brendan Rodgers because Rodgers has got one of these ways of just being really much of a smart arse. It was a bit like, you know, um, after the, you know, Fergie said about um, Steven Gerrard not being a top, top player and, and um, you know, Rodgers came out and went, no, he is a top, top, top football player. Yeah, and it was especially yeah. after they won that game. So that was good. So Are we doing, are we doing Suarez co- quotes, you know, like the Stevie? You know, or, or <laughs> no, no. Um, other than I am Suarez, I think if you want Suarez, Suarez. Coach, you, I am Suarez. You, oh, I'm Suarez. Um, you, you need to go and, and read some of Trevor Downey's writing. Um, he's the host of the LSC Day Trippers. I'm sure you all know him. Um, but he has some great sort of kind of little kind of uh, screenplays that he's written, um, <laughs> and it's just brilliant. You know, him, him and Martin Scott all practicing their kind of weird goal celebrations and whatever. Um, so it's just fantastic. So apparently what, Suarez was crying because um, he'd realised he was in his bubble. He'd realised that Moyes got sacked. It wasn't anything to do with Liverpool. <laughs> he was actually he's actually, <laughs> he's actually found out that Moyes got sacked and got depressed. You know, it's like oh man, no way. So weird. Um, so I think we're going to try and wrap things up now, but we're going to just have one final thing, and I want to ask everybody simply, what was your game of the season? Briefly, why it was. And who was your player of the year? We initially said in the agenda it was going to be non-Lewis Suarez, but you know what? Because he's been so brilliant, you have to include Suarez in, in, in that if you want a fair debate. So, going to come to you, Zach. Um, um, I think, think my I... game of the season has to be... It's got to be City, Anfield. Um, just just because of that. I've mentioned it before with um, my favourite goal being Coutinho's, the, emo- the emotion of the day. Um and, and the significance of it. I know it would have meant a whole lot more to everyone if we'd actually gone on and finished as the, the league winners, but I think I think still it's my favourite game. I've, I think my Twitter head is still uh, Coutinho running away with a big smile on his face, so I think I'll be there for a while. And I think my uh, I think my player of the year, I think I'm, I think we're still, I think, well, I think I am, I think I'm still going to leave uh, Henderson as my choice because I, I just absolutely love the guy. I think he's absolutely amazing. The celebrations and like he just runs around fist pumping and shouting fuck yeah like he's just he's just absolutely he he just shows he really cares and I think he's so passionate about about the team and the squad and I think and the fact he just he basically just does all Stevie's um, running as well I think he's the way he plays the way he's um, come on this season 
I think he's just been absolutely outstanding. And and Nick Truss, just so I get that one right, you know, um, who who you know, what was your best game? Who was your favourite player and why? Um, well, I was at the Everton four 0 and I was also said before about the Arsenal five one, but I'm going to have to agree with Zach and say it was um, the City game because that Coutinho moment. I mean, big moments like that only happen when you're challenging for stuff. I mean. It was just amazing. I'd listen to the commentary. You could listen to that over and over again. Obviously, we probably won't now because we didn't win the league. But if we did win the league, that was the defining moment. And I still think that was the defining moment in the season because it was just that was just the emotion. It was amazing. Uh, from a player of the year, it would obviously be Suarez. But I'm going to go with non-Luis Suarez. And I was going to give it to Henderson. But when I was, uh, Gags was mentioning about storage before and he doesn't get much love. So I'm going to give it to Storage because I think he's, uh, his arrogance and stuff is amazing. Especially that goal celebration against Everton where he just he scored and just stood still and just was like, yeah, I scored and what. So yeah, Daniel Storage for me. No, that's a great shout. And, and Storage doesn't get enough credit. He, he's been absolutely fantastic this season. Um, Gags, best game of the season uh, and, and player of the year. Best game of the season for me, um, looking back and just shock. Um, just, just the the way we played was Arsenal's the, the de- demolition of Arsenal at home. I think when you look back at seasons, there's there's iconic moments, and the, that first half in the in its entirety can be watched, or the the, the forty minutes or whatever can be watched as many times as you want, and you'll never and you'll never get bored. And it'll, it's it's similar to the the um, Fowler hat trick against Arsenal, one of those moments that you'll just never forget. And we did it again, and it had been the biggest thing was because before that game, the, the Arsenal defense was so good. There was like all these Arsenal fans talking to me, saying Koscielny and Mertesacker and all this, and you're not going to score, and this, you know, all this nonsense about Arsenal being so strong, and we, we're not going to be able to score against them. And then what happened, and how it played out? Oh my God! It was um, eleven against eleven. And they just had they had no chance, and um, the Skirtle goals, the Sturridge goal, the Sterling goals, and the overall pressing was was fantastic. It just embodied the the way we were playing, the new the new way we were playing. And then on top of that, the player of the year for me is is I'm gonna go non I'm gonna go non striker as well. So, so sorry, Sturridge were the obvious choices, but I'm gonna go for Jordan Henderson also. Um, I've this season's been huge, personally for me, in terms of where we started this pod, we started collecting these stats, and the one guy that stands out the most from all the analysis that I did was Jordan Henderson in terms of the amount of effort he puts in on that pitch, the off-the-ball work that goes unnoticed by so many people, um, so many fans, trying to get that across to you all, trying to get that across to everybody that listens, and I thought that that boy just was amazing for us and you know it, it, it hurt us at the end without him and when that you know we, we, we managed without Suarez for five games we managed without Sturridge for poor periods we managed we managed without Gerard for periods but we didn't manage without Henderson we didn't so for me Jordan Henderson's the player of the year for Liverpool and, and that's my opinion and nobody else's you know that's I mean obviously Zach's as well but that's the way I would like you know think about it and think and, and well done to him fantastic and Ryan, um, just your thoughts, mate. You know, um, everybody's come up with some great suggestions. Interested to hear what yours are. 
As I said earlier on, um, my game of the season was the 5-0 against Spurs at White Hart Lane. I watched the game, I think, twice after it, after the final whistle. Uh, I was at my girlfriend's house, actually, and you know I stayed up to like 2 o'clock. She went off to, to sleep, and I just stayed up and watched it over and over again because I, I was just, everything about it was, it was just incredible because it was so out of, it was out of left field. You know, Jarrett had gotten injured, and then everyone in in preseason was like, "Oh my God, Spurs have spent this much money, and you know they've bought these players, and their midfield is going to overrun us." And we destroyed them. We we made enough, and it was the first. That was when Liverpool showed up for me. That was when we, that was when we said, "This is Brendan Rodgers." You know, Liverpool. This is Brendan Rodgers, Liverpool. That was the first step on our way to glory. You know, you know bit cheesy but that's the truth that was the very very first one where it was like this is the work that we're putting in and then Flanagan's goal as well that was uh I, I've, I nearly cried actually the, you know watching it back the two times because I I could genuinely see like myself in it because that's how it felt it felt like you had scored that goal it, when you saw Flanagan's head and, and his arms just shaking and it was like you know Oh, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it uh, so that would 100% be my game of the year and um Player of the year, I was going to go for Henderson as well, but since everyone has gone for non-Suarez, I should just break the trend and say Luis Suarez, but no, it, it has to be Glenn Johnson this season for me. He's been absolutely brilliant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's been oh, an absolute no. stalwart going forward. Um, oh. No, when he, he plays like he's sunburned. That's what I noticed. He plays like he's got sunburned shoulders, and he's afraid the jersey's going to rub off them. He moves so gingerly, but... No, it has to be Henderson for me. He is genuinely my player of the year because um, I think he's future captain. I think he he's the one that's laying off all those instructions from from Rogers. As as Gag said, he's the one that we couldn't cope without. Um, he's actually kind of sacrificing a part of his game in some ways to help Gerard or to keep Gerard in the team because you know Gerard offers us so much, and he's also a very symbolic uh, figure. He you know he he he's you know there's symbolic power in seeing number eight Gerard. At the at the end of the tunnel before you go out there, but he, you know, I think in the next year or two we're going to see even more attacking presence from Henderson. Uh, if we buy, you know, a certain midfielder that maybe complements the the rest of the system as well, uh, and he's and he's going to work his arse off. He, there, it's scandalous that he didn't get into the team of the year, in my opinion. Uh, he, he's definitely in there with, for me anyway, and he's been he's been absolutely incredible. And um, yeah, for me, it is Jordan Henderson. You know, I'm I'm absolutely in love with the guy. And so, being the host, normally I don't comment on these things, but I'm going to on this one because I think it's important. I think, just to sum up this season, um, it's been big for me on a number of levels. Gags mentioned the podcast, but it's been, it, it's been great just for the kind of memories that, that I've got, you know. I think having a look at that initial game, you know, that, that game against Stoke, that 1-0, the, the double penalty save... The um, the Fulham game, Gags, do you remember after we did the two-man pod? Amazing. Um, and it, it was just unbelievable, you know, because it was like, oh, it was just after the Arsenal game. Everybody was thinking, oh, you know, typical Liverpool, we've chucked it away. And then we come and do that. We, we, we see it through in the podcast afterwards. It was probably one of the best that we've done. Um, the I, th- I think what stands out in the memory for me is that 5-1 because it was just... By the time the fourth goal went in, I was 20 minutes into the game, I was sitting with my daughter on the sofa and I was absolutely just pissing myself laughing. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And it just, it reminded me, you know, of, of bringing the joy back to football. It reminded me why I loved football again. Not just because we were winning, but because of the type of football that we had. But if I had to pick one moment, 
and I think this has kind of summed up this season for me um, because I've got to meet all the, these kind of new people by doing this show. We'd probably be at the Harry, probably that Newcastle 2-1, even though it was a crap game and, you know, we won and, and whatever. I think that whole thing of watching football with your mates, watching football with the people that you connect with and, and, and actually listening to some of the people who listen to this podcast uh, just coming up and just thanking us for what we've done this season. So do you know what? Actually, you know, oh, yeah, and Hump and Ryan, you know, it was fantastic experience. They're the best sexual encounter I've had in a long, long time. Love you, Ryan. Um, but, um, the, Thank you, John. Pleasurable. Absolutely. I Pleasure. thought he just poked you then, the way you screamed. <laughs> Jesus. It's all your mother's. Um, the, 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 the Fucking thing, hell. <laughs> the, uh, the, the key thing, though, is... is being able to to just enjoy football again, and I think that's the, the the best thing I can take away from this season. The best thing I can take away from it altogether. Uh, Player of the year. Um, there's too many to mention, really. There's Suarez, Sturridge. They've been fantastic. I think Coutinho's been in and out, but he's been adapting to that new role. Sterling has just been incredible. He's progressing in the last six months. Special mention for Joe Allen. Absolutely, Joe Joe Allen. I was just coming on to him. He he. He's kind of again proved people wrong. He's 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 done so much, Joe Allen, and he's so underrated. And you can just now see him cementing his place in in, in that Liverpool um, squad. If not starting eleven all the time, depending on who we buy this summer. But you you know what? To me, it's split. It's split because the the two players I think are so reliant on. Uh, I've kind of brought the best out in each other in their new positions, and that would be uh, Steven Gerrard, um, simply because. He, he swallowed his pride. He was this all-guns-blazing, box-to-box, you know, um, attacker. He was just incredible. And, and now he's had to kind of restrain himself and sit back and be that leader. And, and whilst, you know, Ryan made the point earlier, um, you know, whilst Jordan Henderson has been fantastic, I think the work rate he puts in, you know, for Gerard to, to help Gerard, but also the two of them have, have that, that kind of almost chemistry with each other now. I think it's a kind of fantastic thing to see. So I'm going for a, a bit of a joint because it's a joint European Golden Boot with Suarez and Ronaldo this year. I've got a joint player of the year, and that's um, Henderson and Steven Gerrard. Um, so lastly, just to finish off, we're going to um, finish off with a little bit of trivia. Nick's going to ask you all a question, and we want you to come in on the AI podcast hashtag. We want you all to guess. You've got a big kiss off gags and a retweet. Um, and if that's not enough for you, um, we'll, we'll think of something else as well. So, um, Nick, do you want to come in with a question? Right, OK. So, Daniel Storage scored the opener against Stoke City on the first day of the season. He also scored the winner against Newcastle on the last game of the season. So, I want to know, who was the last Liverpool player to score both Liverpool's first and last goal of a season and what season it was? I don't know if um, you three want to want to give us a quick answer guess to help people that's out really or? Great question. it is a good question um i i don't know i think let's leave it for the the twitter guys let's see how many people come back with that that would be a good one yeah that's fine yeah was it was it chrome camp <laughs> close no i think it was torben picnic <laughs> <laughs> um but look also one last shout because it's actually i think it's a really special thing that i just seen today um the Something that's, that's just been um, announced was the Premier League schools title uh, winners. Um, and Liverpool, um, under 11s, have basically won the Premier League school wow, uh, title. Wow. Um, and they've, they've got, it's really cute, you know, they've got their own little Premier League trophy. But it's, it's a great thing. And also, I think the Merseyside 
Um, sorry, I think the Everton um, under 13 girls as well won it. So for Merseyside, um, it's been an absolutely kind of fantastic thing. And it's great to see them both with that little Premier League trophy. And hopefully it's good omens for everything to come. But you know what, guys? Look, it's been a fantastic season. Thanks to everybody that we've had on the show tonight. I've enjoyed it. I hope you have too. And we've got this. It's coming all summer. Don't worry, we'll be here all summer. We've had lots of questions this week. Um, so, you know, see you next week. And... That's it from us. Take care. Bye-bye.